1: What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode two hundred ninety-four. Scott, how's it going this fine Sunday morning?
2: We got another infielder. That's big news, right? Huge news. Another infielder. Not name we all wanted. Not name Manny. Oh, not name Manny. This uh, this is another wrench or another little curveball, I guess that that uh, the Yankees are throwing the fan base, the, the fan base that has no idea what's happening. Like literally, <laughs> the the amount of off base reports and like. Could, and thoughts and just what everybody thought was going to happen this this offseason everybody's off base it's 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 crazy how you know how how far away from what we all thought was going to happen is actually happening
1: it was a long time we're going to get into all of it it was a long time narrative basically since they started offloading payroll in the 2016 season everyone was eyeballing this offseason and i'm not quite sure if it was uh fans overhyping it, fans creating that narrative, if it was the media creating that narrative or if it was the Yankees selling their fan base on hey, we're giving up on this season, the 2016 season in order to prep for a big offseason in a couple years. And I don't I don't know if that was just spun out of control by by fans and media or if the Yankees just changed their plan. I don't really know what happened, but yeah, a lot of people pissed off about this DJ Lamehu signing. Which is crazy though because
2: it's it's not anything about Lemayhu as a player, it's just who he's not. That's he's not that's Manny the uh, That's the thing that people are upset about. But you know, quickly on that on that narrative and and how uh, you know, I think the the fan base has has taken the way that the Yankees are supposed to be conducting themselves in this offseason. And you mentioned back in 2016 giving up the rest of that and and getting young well, they did that. They they amplified, they they've ramped up the process of, of, quote, rebuilding or retooling or whatever you want to call it and got very young and got uh, a bunch of young talent as they were having some of these, this wave of young talent come up through the Yankee system. So the fact that they were talking about it, I was reading like some of the old quotes that they were, uh, that, you know, our, our boy Hal and some of these other guys were throwing out there. But a lot of it was saying that they're making these moves so that they can be flexible and, and do uh, and, and be in position to make moves later. Speaking about this free agent class too, and I think when everybody sees that, they're like, "Oh, they, you know, they they run with that in their own head, and mm-hmm. they say, well, 'Well, they're going to spend, you know, as much money as possible to get as much talent as possible.'" And that's just not yeah. the case.
1: What was the word? What was the word? They was it fle- payroll it was flexibility? Flexi- or? Yes, the word yeah.
2: has been flexible. That's been a buzzword and a keyword that people take with a grain of salt and and just kind of. They expand that word flexible. They're well, flexible with the word, if you will.
1: That's fine. But, but you also have to think about Brian Cashman's statements a couple weeks ago saying they're a fully operational death star. When he says that, I don't think people are, are thinking DJ LeMahieu. <laughs> fully operational death star means they're going to go out and attack the top free agents, Machado or Harper or both. That's what, that is the, uh, the line that a lot of people draw to those statements. And I think that's fair.
2: Yeah, I mean, I get that. I get that, and and the fact that they're in on them is maybe what Cashman is saying. They're going to be going after they're these in guys, on everybody. But as far as being aggressive and and making the highest bid, and they're getting outbid. Corbin obviously was a significant amount more money that he received uh, as an offer from the Nationals. And you know, I'm I'm not. I don't. I don't blame them for not going to what the the Nationals paid for for Patrick Corbin. No, honestly. no. But when you're looking at these that. Machado things, the problem with all this right now. Here's here's the big issue I, I, I see nobody has any goddamn idea what offers are out there no one has any idea all of this is speculation we don't know how much money the Chicago White Sox have offered Machado we don't know what the Phillies have offered Machado we don't know if there's other teams in the mix that have said they're going to offer you a contract but they're waiting uh, until you know things are or, or the dust has settled a bit and then they will come in with their best offer we don't know so all of this is just rampant absolutely. Just vicious speculation on, on what is happening because this is the type of thing. And, like, I I would not be surprised at this point once we've all given up complete hope that Brian Cashman swoops in and offers, you know, $1 Yeah, more.
1: I saw that take. I saw that spin on Friday afternoon after the LeMahieu news. People saying, well, now the Yankees have leverage over Machado because they can say, they can sit there and t- tell his agent, hey, we have enough infielders. We don't even need Machado. Here's our final offer take it or leave it.
2: I'm not ah. even saying I'm not even so much on that. I'm not even so much there. Is that uh, this this just may not change things because Cashman may have ah, other it's ideas. Gotta change things. If there's Come a on. trade involved, then no, it doesn't.
1: If there's a trade involved, yeah, I, fine. That's always. But I always thought always that that would uh, have to happen anyway. It's always on the table. We we've said that all off season with if and if they decide they want to trade Andujar, and that still to me is the the only guy they'd be willing to trade out of that infield. Then yeah, of course that reopens the door for Machado. But as it stands now, with the roster with uh, Lemahieu, Mister, I'm going to call him Mister French. You, you good with that? Do you want to call him Mister French or, or uh, I, I, I googled uh, what Lemahieu means, and I think it means the Matthew. Uh, the, ma- I'm f- the Matthew. I'm fine with either with the either, uh, I kind of like the nickname. Matthew. The Matthew. Yeah, the Matthew. <laughs> All right, so that's like uh, a with, dumb version of Lemahieu with the Matthew on on the roster. If Andujar still there, there's there's no way they're signing Machado. This is no. not possible. No, no,
2: I I agree. But I I think that the fact that um, Lemayhew's there doesn't change. If that were the plan, if that was the plan, if Machado was going to be signed, if Brian Cashman and Steinbrenner's had full intentions of signing uh, Machado and they're just waiting till their moment to to strike, I I don't believe that Andujar was going to be on this team anyway. I I still think that if you're doing that, then you're then you're really fighting uh, another uphill battle by trying to move him into another position. You're just doing a lot of things that, that to me don't make a lot of sense. Um, when you have to see a guy struggling defensively, you don't move him around. Not that, not that I don't think he could, he could probably play first base to an adequate level, but at this point, like, you, need, you would want him to be working on it as well. So I don't know. I, I, just, I think that if, the Machado, if Machado was in the plans and it's still in the plans, I think Andujar is also in the plans for being traded. And, and if that's the case, then this signing means nothing. It just they means could, that they're adding more bodies.
1: They could um they they could take kind of a, what I think would be a hard left here and say, and Duhar, you're now our DH. We're gonna use Stanton a lot more in left field. He's gonna be basically the everyday left fielder. And then Gardner's gonna be the floating outfielder, and then it would it could in theory work.
2: Yeah, I still don't see that that to me is is probably one of the more um one of the least Available options, really, because then you're just you're loading up that DH spot, and we know that the Yankees need that DH spot to to rotate some guys in and out. Um, and then you know, if, if that's the case too, then then we're completely forgetting about Clint Frazier, and he's not even on this team.
1: Well, at this point, you don't. I mean, Clint Frazier is as much of an unknown as as anybody. But
2: but to be fair, Clint Frazier currently right now is a healthy player coming into spring training, and and yes, yes, he we had want- these, these head. He's had um, issues and they've lingered and such. Um, but, you know, I, the best thing for that is rest. You know, it's not like so we could go in, and and pinpoint when and how and where. So uh, right now he's a healthy player.
1: What are your thoughts on the fact that he, too, is a cat guy? <laughs> I, don't like, I don't know. I if didn't like saw his, Insta-
2: his Instagram post. He's
1: taking selfies with his cat. He loves his cat. I mean, it's not a hairless cat like Bird, so it's not as creepy. But last week you took a very hard stance on Bird I and said if he was a dog guy, maybe he would have won an MVP by now.
2: And I think more, more because it was he's such an extreme cat guy with the hairless cat. Like that thing is just, it's just a strange looking cat. Like I do believe there's well, let's call involved. it what it
1: is. It's weird. It's creepy. It,
2: it's a weird cat that that is putting that has put a a, a hex on him. Uh-huh. It's not even yep. a curse. It's a hex. Yep. It's witchcraft. So yep. yeah, if he was a dog guy, then he wouldn't have a, a witch living with him in his coat. You know, it's, I, it's just I strange. Also,
1: I also think that the cat isn't even Frazier's. I believe it's his girlfriend's. Which- and. and and that's I fine. think is uh, a lot more. It's a lot different than Greg Bird having just living by himself in a New York City apartment with a hairless cat.
2: It's very different. <laughs> Extremely different. <laughs> Extremely different. And, and you know what? Like Frazier's the cat that he was uh, that he was hanging out with. you know, it was a furry little cat. It was uh, yeah. like, it was kind of a cute little cat. You know, I, like it, it's fine. You're not yeah. taking photos of the cat like you know in your in your jacket and well, shaving it's,
1: it. It's kind of it's kind of like a redheaded cat. Kind of got the orange, the orange, uh, orange fur, just like, just like Frazier kind of matches him. Yeah. So I don't
2: know. I mean, Frazier, uh, the, the way he's, he's all about like, you know, being in style and all that stuff. So it, it doesn't surprise me as much. Um, but yeah, girlfriend's cat. So I'm, we're okay with it now.
1: Hey, we started off this podcast hot. <laughs> you took it to a cat level. You <laughs> came in, came in firing with the Lemayhu stuff. Um, so let's break it down. Two years, 24 million bucks. The uh, the reports are that the Yankees want to use him as they see him as a Ben Zobris type. And yeah. I believe now we've been saying for three years that the Yankees are looking for a Ben Zobris type. It was Tyler Wade was going to be the Ben Zobris type. Um, Neil Walker, the Ben Zobris type. Like, all right, how long are they going to look for a Ben Zobris type?
2: Well, I mean, he is he is that type of, uh, you know, switchblade type of guy where he could go in there and have, have good at bats. Play different positions on the infield, um, so I, I look. I like the move. I think it's a. I think it's a good move. Uh, I, I know a lot. Of how a lot of people are looking at the his splits from 2018, home and away. They're drastic. They're very, very, very different. I know we tweeted it out on, uh, on his on, on career. in the career Yankees isn't podcast. great
1: either. Yeah, I mean, last year was was weird actually because his slugging last year, home and road, were pretty similar, yeah. but his on base percentage and batting average on the road were way lower than they were at home. But if you look at his career, it, it makes a little bit more sense. Home, home splits, career 330, 387, 448 with an 835 OPS. That's a tremendous player, especially for a second baseman. Then on the road, 264, 311, 362 slugging, which is low, 673 OPS. So they are pretty drastic, as you can expect from a Coorsfield Field player.
2: And, and that's fine sometimes, you know, because we looked at someone uh, was, was tweeting back, And I know this was a conversation that that we had with some other uh, people who write with Bronx pinstripes, but look at what Aaron Judge's home splits are. I mean, they're they're drastic. Even more drastic.
1: Even more drastic. Yeah.
2: So, you know, I think the uh, the Yankees identified a player that would also play well at Yankee Stadium, a guy that, that can go the other way, too. Um, similar, similar to the way that they've, they've looked at guys that you know, haven't had success in other places. Uh, Luke Voigt was another guy. They said, hey, this guy could go the other way. It, we think his, his offensive game plays to Yankee Stadium. Um, and you know, they were right about that for at least a month. We'll see how that f- plays forward. But I think what they're doing is they're identifying uh, players that, that, that can hit the ball all over the place. That's one thing that I love about LeMahieu is, is we have a guy now in the lineup that doesn't strike out a ton, makes a lot of contact. And, you know, could maybe get a big single when we need it with the runners on second and third. You know what I mean? Like, uh, God forbid we have one of those guys. do try back. to hit the ball out of the park.
1: The single is sexy again.
2: Yeah. I mean, <laughs> with runners on, it's damn sexy. The, the, you know, the ground ball and the, the ground ball the other way in the hole is sexy. You know, there's, there's just a lot of things that that I think he brings to the table that are, that are complementary to what the Yankees roster and lineup currently has. And these players are needed. They're absolutely needed. And I know everybody wants the superstar guy, and they want to go out there and get the big splash and the big name and all these things, right? I get it. You want star power. At the same time, the, the lineup and the team has to work as a unit together. The cogs all have to fit. You look back, I was doing uh, some, some cleaning out of my closets and I found a whole bunch of crap that I kept as a kid uh, from like the um, the Bergen record and the and the Daily New-, or the, uh, New York Times. I used to ke- uh, keep sports sections of like big events and such. So I, I have all the old Yankee stuff. And the record used to do a, a full spread of caricatures after the Yankees would win. So I have one from 96, um, uh, 98, 99, and I think I have one for 2000. But they have all of these uh, – the players you're looking at. I'm looking at all the names again, and just you know, all, all the names are coming back, and you see how many complimentary players were on these rosters. It's crazy. Like, yes, there was some star, there was star power, but there were a lot of really good role players on these teams, and I think that's necessary.
1: So, so you're looking at Lemayhu as a role player?
2: Yeah, I think he
1: is. I think he's a he's a player that's that a will... kind of an expensive role player. He you is think? 12, I, I, twelve million a year for a role player.
2: I, I agree with that. I, I th- but I think that they're. They're getting one of the better role players. I mean, that's what, look look what Zobras got. Zobra's got a ton of money. But Zobris the, was
1: an everyday player who played and just happened to play in different positions. Maybe that's right. what they're gonna use LeMayhu as. He we know he could play second base. He's a very good second baseman. Uh plus sixty-seven defensive runs save career at second base. So very, very elite second baseman. He's played only two hundred and forty-five innings at third base. Because he's had Nolan Arenado over in Colorado, he's not gonna he's not gonna play over him at third base. Plus two defensive runs saved at third base in limited innings. So let's just call him uh, good at third base. There's also talks that the Yankees plan on using him at first base too, possibly. So he could end up getting five games a week if they move him around, if that's what they want to do.
2: Well, the other thing about about that is is I think that. Now Lemayhu is a an insurance policy at first base as well. So you get you have um, we have two unknowns at first base, right? We have we have Greg Bird that that everybody has lost faith on. I mean, who who the hell knows what he's going to be? He could be nothing or he could be something. We don't know. Luke Voigt, um, right now we we believe is a, is a, is a player. We only shot on, saw it saw it a very short sample size. So will he come out and be that same guy? Again, I think that's a, a relative unknown. So the fact that Lemayhu could come in and you know we. He's more of a veteran player. We kind of know what we're going to get with him. He can play good defense all over the place. And, yeah, I think he is a uh, an insurance policy at first base now as well because it's very possible that either Greg Bird or Luke Voigt, one of the two, you know, doesn't make it through the, the full first half
1: of the season. <laughs> yeah, I think that's very fair. And uh, you mentioned earlier that he doesn't strike out. He has a 15.2% career strikeout rate, which is pretty solid. And also, Mike Petriello was tweeting about him. He, he's actually kind of fascinated by, by the Matthew. Uh, he said, I don't know if he's a good player or not, but the Yankees are about to find out. And he also is one of these players that has taken launch angle and really made it a part of his game over the last five seasons. His his uh, ground ball rates have gone down every year. So uh, that's also something that's, that plays well at Coors Field. going to play well at Yankee Stadium. That's probably... What the Yankees nerds in that front office are looking at, right? They 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 try and find these players that can fit the advanced metrics that they want to employ on this team. That's what they sold us, that's what they did with Luke Voigt. That's what they sold us that they mm-hmm. thought was going to be Brandon Drury. They, 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 they keep trying to find these players that maybe other teams undervalue. Yep. And and place value on them. They place $12 million a year on him and and brought him in. And and ironically, the twelve you look at what the Rockies did. The Rockies signed Daniel Murphy for two two over twenty four, uh, twenty four over two years, and that's exactly what Lemayhu got. So it's kind of interesting that the Rockies chose Le, uh, chose uh, Murphy over LeMahieu, and the Yankees are choosing Lemayhu over Murphy because there were also some rumors that the Yankees might be interested in Murphy.
2: Yeah, I, I don't know. I think those rumors may have come from our fan base, but the uh, the the fact they're very different players in the sense that you have Daniel Murphy who also can play. I'm putting in air quotes multiple positions, and then you have Lemahieu who could play, who can actually play real, uh, you know, multiple positions. Yankees obviously put a, a much higher, you know, preference uh, of the two players if you're if you're comparing them directly to defense, run yep. prevention, and the fact that that Lemahieu could come in there and play plus plus defense all over the field is a huge difference for what what they can use for. Oh, Murphy, for Murphy. can't
1: play defense anymore, no. and ironically, Murphy's more of an American <laughs> League player at this point, and Lemahieu's probably more of a National League player.
2: But at the same time, the uh, the Rockies. Are, are leaning on the rest of their guys for defense as well. Like they, I think they, they believe that they have a, a good defensive team, period. And, and I think that um, you, you look at a guy like Murphy, and he's going to add a, a, you know, a little bit more offense than LeMahieu. So they chose the offense <laughs> and, and give him some more pop, uh, where, whereas the Yankees are, are looking at these two players and saying, we want the run prevention, we want the flexibility, another, there's that buzzword again, and, and we want the guy that's going to come in and play complementary baseball to the guys that we currently have. And that, to me, is a big deal.
1: Would the Yankees have been better off with Murphy, left-handed hitter? No. Who...
2: <laughs> no. No, they would not have been because they would have, they would have added to the problem of bad defense. And, and uh, well, also a guy taking be... up another <clears throat> DH spot, which you need yeah. to be more of a rotation. Again, flexible.
1: Well, I think that they could have uh, looked at Murphy more of a first base, first base player.
2: I just don't think they're going to go out there and spend... I mean, if he's going to play defense, he's going to play first base. That's it. So, you're you're pigeonholing yourself to that. Now you have, now you have a DH and three first basemen. So now what are you going to do? You don't. You're you're something's got to happen soon. Whereas right. Lemayhu um, doesn't really make first base a log jam or DH a log jam. He's he's a guy that you could plug all over the place. So uh, again, the the word flexible comes up all the time. And when they were talking about, you know, being uh, being flexible, quote with with their payroll and such, and you know that was getting under the the luxury tax so that thing would reset so that they would have more money because of the reset penalty and then obviously now they're they're bringing in contracts that are also flexible. I mean this is on a, this guy's on a 2-year deal that that he has flexibility all over the field. It's giving them a lot of a, a lot of ability to pivot in one way or another. If something is not working well, they can pivot because they're not going to be logged down by these large contracts at least at this point.
1: So we kind of talked about what it means for possibilities of signing Machado. We think it, unless there's a trade, it's not going to happen. What does it mean for Glaber?
2: Yeah, that's this is what's interesting to me is that, you know, again, I think that we've all been trying to figure out what's going to happen at second base, shortstop, right? Obviously, Didi's out for um, at least half the year, uh, and and we're looking at possible uh, Toru Tulewski as, as a name that that they've brought on if this guy could be healthy, he could play some shortstop, um, and then Glaber Torres also. Is a natural shortstop, so this may mean that hey, they're gonna, they they could possibly slide Glaber over to shortstop, and Lemayhu could play, uh, you know, in the beginning of the season could be the primary second baseman, and, and they're gonna go with that. That's a uh,
1: that'll but I be interesting. They didn't want that,
2: right? <laughs> I don't see. I don't know if they do. I think no, that they, no, no, they no. I'm, I'm being sarcastic
1: it. because the entire. Up until Friday, we thought they wanted to keep Glaber at, at second base because that's what they see him as a long-term fit. And also they don't want to – they want him to work at second base. They want to have right. him keep taking reps at second base. They don't want to be moving him around. That was what we thought. That's everything we – Cashman has
2: has talked about that, yeah. So He has,
1: yes. 100% he's talked he, about that. He did radio interviews where he said that they see Glaber Torres as a long-term second baseman. So, that I mean, we didn't just make that up. No,
2: uh, yeah, no, for sure. And and there also could be another move coming where you know we see uh, some insurance at shortstop. Like there very well could be another guy that that comes up, or it's you know who knows. Tyler Wade. Uh, I mean could be no, I mean defense. I don't
1: think you can add another infielder. Like Hatcheria, <laughs> you can't add at Hechevaria at this point to the roster. Too many infielders.
2: Uh, look, I'm gonna be I'm gonna I'm gonna be very clear how I think about Greg Bird. I, I, I'm not I'm I'm certainly not convinced that he's going to make the roster come coming out of um oh, out, out okay of spring fine, training.
1: but but. Okay, so you have one first baseman, whether that's Bird or or Voit. You have Glaber, you have Tulowitzki, you have LeMahieu and Duhar. That's five infielders.
2: Yeah, I, I still think that they can... There's If you bring a guy like Tyler, we don't know what the outfield looks like right now. I know they have an abundance of outfielders, but we don't know if some of them are alive or, or not alive. Uh, and how they're going to come out of spring training, but a guy like Tyler Wade, if you could, if if a guy like Tyler Wade were to make the the opening <laughs> it's day roster, the year
1: finally for Tyler Wade. Well, no,
2: he made the. I mean, he's made the roster before, but yeah, he but made the roster last He's year. he's yep. he's basically going to be a defender. I mean, you're you're bringing him in as a defender. Again, I, we talked about this last week. I, I was, I was, my position was with him. They don't care about his offense at this point. They're they're not banking on his offense anymore. Like that's that ship has sailed. He is not going to be the DJ LeMayhew or the Ben Zobrist type. That's not him anymore. Now he is Brendan Ryan. Now he is a more flexible Brendan Ryan who could play the outfield as well if need be. He could play all over the all over the field. And now you're bringing him up as a defender. And that's just what he is, a defender and a guy who can run the bases. To me, that's what they think Tyler Wade is. And, and if you're going to bring a guy like that in as a defender, then what's the difference in going out and finding someone um, you know, who's a, a plus defender when you already have the guy in there who's very cheap, who can play all over the field, and you're not looking for offense? Because who cares? Because that's the way I see it.
1: <clears throat> Let's play the game. So Didi comes back in June or July. <clears throat> Let's assume everyone else is healthy all the other infielders. So obviously the optimal defensive infield is with Didi at shortstop, probably Glaber at second base, a first baseman, whether it's Voight or Bird, and LeMahieu at third. That would, that would I, that's what I think would be the optimal defensive infield. Do you agree? If we're talking about defense, yes. So I guess if where does that leave Andujar is the question. Does yeah, it mean I, does it mean that Anduhar, like we saw in the playoffs, starts and then comes out in the sixth or the seventh inning? Does it mean he gets more DH time? Does it mean like what does it mean for Anduhar? Because are they I, I still don't know if they believe in Anduhar.
2: Yeah. I mean I think they believe in Anduhar as a as a hitter for sure. And they're not gonna come out this is one thing that they're not gonna tip their hand about. They're not gonna come out and say anything negative about Andujar right now because they know what what a, what a commodity he is. He's probably their highest commodity that they have as a tradable asset. Right, so if you see Brian Cashman going out and talking talking shit about everybody else, has he come out and talk shit about Andujar? No, he has not. He has thrown a lot of support he's, behind Andujar. Nah, he hasn't seen, really
1: said anything about him.
2: Well, he's he's definitely not said anything negative about him, and because <laughs> okay. we all know what he is, he's the guy. Uh, I, dude, I, I look. I, I don't know if I if I t- if I just said something right now, it would be complete bullshit. Just yeah. speculation. Come on, and that's all Speculate. That's let's, what this let's podcast all is for. The thing is, is, that we don't know what the hell they're doing with Andujar, and I still think that there's still time left. We saw. Um, J.D. Martinez signed in February last year. Like these, right. There are still chips that are going to dominoes that will fall in yep. this offseason. Everybody's acting like this offseason is, is, is over and was over by Christmas. No, there are still a ton of free agents out there. There's oh. still a, a ton of moves that could possibly be made. And the fact that Eduard is still here, I still think he's the primary third baseman. I think that's how they think of him. But now that they have D.J. LeMahieu, yeah, they're adding a guy that could play third base at a higher level. So does that mean they take him out in the sixth, seventh inning in a close game? Probably. That's probably how they would play that, and and on a on a day where, um, you know, there's there's guys or there's a one of the one of the guys is th- like Tanaka's out there and they're we're getting more ground balls, then you know maybe Lemayhew's starting at at uh, at third with with a uh, if there's a, a lefty heavy lineup, you know. All right. now I can you're, see
1: that. This is that is not. That's not a long that's not a hundred and sixty-two game solution. I'm sorry. That creates a problem for your team. That means you have to carry an extra infielder just to accommodate your shitty third baseman. That's not a good plan. It's that's
2: what you that's what you do though when you bring a Ben Zobrist type guy in there. A guy that plays
1: all those positions. You no, no. have to have flexibility. Ben in Zobrist that. is a starter who just happens to play multiple positions. Okay, fair. Are the, they using LeMayhu as a starter? Yes. Or are they using him as a replacement player? Like well, y- as Didi is out, he's going to be a starter.
2: There's there's no doubt about it. And if he plays to his abilities, then yeah, he's gonna be a starter. And whether it's at first base or third base or second base, who knows? But yeah, or, or D H even. Yeah, I see him as a starter. I don't think they went out there and paid twelve million dollars for him not to be a starter. No, when when I when be, I say role player asinine. when I say role player, you know, Like, I'm legitimately using that as as a a very... Well, you were
1: talking about, like, the 90s players. Like, the role players they had in those teams, like Luis Soho. Like, that's not what I don't think they want LeMahieu to be. Luis Soho was a guy that played one inning a night.
2: Okay, let me let me rephrase the way I use the way I distinct uh, as a role player. I, I see a role player as a complementary player to the. There are, there are many roles within a team, and if they're not all working together, then you're not going to get to the one place. So as a role player, you have to be complementary to what is already on the roster. And yeah, I see Lemayhu as a complementary player if if role player could be taken out of context and you're saying that he's just a pigeonhole guy like a a, like a a base runner and that's it no i see him as as the guy that could that has so much flexibility that they that he can move around and yeah he could be a starter every single day if you want him to be but he's that type of guy who's going to fill the role of of moving all over for defense purposes because he could swing the bat
1: uh you mentioned something about free agency i actually want to bring it up so People are acting like this offseason is over, right? Like Because Machado and Harper haven't signed. They're kind of clogging things up. Free agency is moving at a glacial pace once again. Do you think there should be some deadlines set in free agency where teams have to act by a certain date? And if they don't, then there's a penalty or or, or something in place? Because it's kind of crazy what's happening with these players where they could be – Pitchers and catchers reporting, and top free agents like JD Martinez last year, or uh, didn't Arietta not sign until like late into uh, into that process? I think like, Arietta
2: was late. I think Darvish was late. There were a lot. There, there were a Cobb, lot of players that were late. Alex yeah.
1: Cobb, like these yeah. players that were thought would go off the market in a matter of weeks lasted the entire off season. Do you think there needs to be something in place to, to fix this process? Yeah.
2: I'm uh, signed a one year deal late uh, staying in Kansas city at that point, because you know, he wasn't getting the multiple
1: year offers. He took what he could get. He was like, shit, I turned, yeah, didn't he turn down the qualifying offer of like 17 million bucks I and believe then ended he did. up getting like, like 80% of that or 60% of that. I don't something? remember what
2: the ratio was, what he got, but he certainly didn't get what he was, uh, what he, what he, in my opinion, deserved on the free agent market. But I, I think a deadline like that would not be a bad thing. Honestly, I think that would it would move the owners because right now the owners are, are just they're just waiting. They're shaking out the market. They're 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 letting people uh, sweat and and maybe now they think that this might be their last offer. So their people are accepting stuff. Like like it, it's it's gotten to a point, and I know there's been a lot of talk all over social media about the fact. And Arietta had that tweet we'll talk about uh, that was that was kind of cryptic. If do you have it in front of you?
1: Yeah, he said, all of you one to three year players out there better be paying attention to what's going on in our game. You're next.
2: And, and this, so I, I think specifically, he was more talking about arbitration and how the that whole process plays out and is is really you know in the um, the the owners are playing power positions at this point. And and I think a lot of them, I think the free agent market is also delayed because of arbitration. I think every the the um, teams wanted to see where. Uh, what arbitration would happen, You know what guys would settle, what guys were going to go to the hearings and how that was going to all shake out and where that money was going to. So maybe they need to move that, that uh, deadline up. Maybe the arbitration needs to be moved up. And because of that, the free agent market would then um, follow suit. But it, why not have a, a deadline for all of these things? And we have a trade deadline. Why not have a free agent deadline? Because to me it would benefit the players and the teams by getting these guys in camp earlier or getting them solidified so they know what they're going to be doing earlier to me mm-hmm. when you know what your position's going to be when you know where you're going to be the next year it it allows you to prepare better and more specifically and, and just have peace of mind at that point so yeah i don't think i don't see a reason how it could hurt
1: yeah and if it's not a hard deadline then maybe it's milestone checkpoints where if you don't sign up if you sign a player by just, let's just say december 31st great, that deal is signed. But if then if you sign them after December 31st, there's some sort of like 10% penalty or something where you can still sign a player, but you're paying extra to something. I don't know what that would be. To to the players union, if if it goes somewhere, I don't know where, but you just have to, you can't just, I don't think it's fair to the players. And I understand these players still make millions of dollars, but it's not fair to have them wait out until February 20th or something.
2: No, especially when pitchers and catchers are reporting. You know, even before uh, some of those, some of these guys are signing and they're they're trying to start up their own major league spring training camp by themselves. Like it's crazy. There, it's it's what was you know transpiring last year. Um, I, you know, the, I don't know if the penalty will work because then you then you have, you know, possible of course, guys there's all implications and, of it. Yeah, yeah. there's just a yeah. lot of bullshit that could go along with that. But I think if you impose a hard deadline and say this is the deadline, like like you do with trades. I mean, they do it with trades, why can't they do it with free agent signings? It's it's uh, you know, make a decision. Pull the As long as you have ample time between arbitration settlements and uh, free agent signings, the hard deadline, I don't see the problem.
1: Yeah, so then maybe like the You got to make sure all the deadline. money's
2: Yeah, the money has to be known at
1: that point, obviously. The, the arbitration deadline was this past Friday. Right. I, what was that? January 11th? Why is it January eleventh? Like why would why wouldn't it be like December 15th or something? Like make it a lot earlier in the offseason.
2: Yeah, I think they could make it earlier in the offseason. I think that's a that's one of the things they should do. Um, make at least the if you're doing the arbitration um, hearings and uh, I don't know when the all the hearings have to be finalized by so that the, the money's completely in place. But you know, if you do it before the holidays, then then you going into the holidays, you know what your current uh, what your current roster is and and how much money you're giving out as far as the arbitration guys and then you have this free agent deadline you know after the new year maybe around the time around this january 11th time that they have for arbitration now Um, make that the hard line and and then move forward I, i don't know why it would hurt
1: if harper and machado don't get 10 years do you think we'll ever see the mega contract again
2: yeah, I mean it's uh, it's certainly not in vogue at this point. No,
1: because no, I- seriously, like if you're not going to give it to these players who are 26, 27 years old and, and in the top 25 players in the game on any given season, what, like when are you ever going to give out a 10 year contract? You're certainly not going to give it to a 30 year old at this point. Like yeah. that is over with. So until the next 26 year old free agent comes around, which doesn't happen every day because you got to come up at 19 years old. Mm-hmm. So when's it going to happen?
2: How old will Trout be when he hits free agency?
1: Uh, that's a good question. Uh, twenty six. Well, probably no, because twenty seven. No, he signed. A, he signed a. Oh big yeah, he already ext- signed that big one. He extension. signed a big extension, so he is signed through twenty twenty. In which case, he will be twenty eight years old. So even
2: at twenty eight years old, a Mike Trout. So so here's the here's what I think about these long term contracts. I don't think they're going to be. Uh, obviously, they're not prevalent. They're not going to be handed out as, as as they as they have been because I think when when people are looking back at those ten year deals, they just they're not good for anybody but the player that the, they fall off at the end it's just it's not a great contract I like I don't like them anyway like I, I never liked them you see what happened at the end of a rods contract like you have dead money at the end of it and that's just something that the the team has to know but I, I wouldn't be surprised if they if they offered uh you know longer term contracts and they got up to the 10-year things if they're if the money is spread out further um, and and then we get some of these longer contracts that where you have money coming at them um, that's you know maybe a lower AAV but it's it's uh, it's it's going you know beyond their retirement years even, and then you have like a legacy type contract. I could see more of the those at some point coming coming into play and and uh, and being more popular, just because I think it adds flexibility.
1: Yeah, let's talk about the arbitration. So the Yankees did avoid arbitration with a bunch of players. Hicks got six million. That was his final year. Uh, Bird one point two million first year. Romine one point eight. That's his final year. Didi, 11.75 final year. Also, he's injured, so it's interesting. Paxton, the new Yankee, 8.575. He's in his second year of arbitration. And Sonny signed for less. He settled for $7.5 million. Uh, he, was a, he was projected in the $9 million range. So I think what he's saying is, hey, now I'm more attractive to trade to any team that's willing to to take me. Maybe the Brewers or a small market team.
2: Or hey, I'm too cheap not for you to keep me and put yeah, me one somewhere.
1: <laughs> he had no leverage though, so obviously uh, it's kind of surprising though he ended up settling for less. Severino and the Yankees could not come to an agreement, so Severino signed for or, uh, um, asked for five point two five million, and the Yankees filed at four point four. So there's a gap there. It will likely go to uh, an arbitration hearing. And it's going to be interesting because, yes, we know Severino struggled in the second half and he struggled in the playoffs, but he has been one of the seven best starting pitchers in Major League Baseball the past two seasons combined. I think he is going to win in arbitration, and we know how the Yankees' front office handles these situations. Remember what Randy Levine said about Dylan Batansis. Like, he trashed him absolutely eviscerated one of the fan favorites, a guy who grew up in the Bronx and we criticized Levine for, for all that shit. I really hope this doesn't happen with Severino. Yeah, I do too.
2: I mean, these, these arbitration hearings can be ugly just because, you know, both sides are, are playing their hands and trying to put stuff out. the I don't really understand it, especially when you have a guy that's going to be a huge part of your team. To me, it's, you're, you're adding some, uh, you're just adding negativity that doesn't need to be there when, you know these guys. I understand that it's what is it? Uh, they're about twenty percent off, as far as the the numbers. Yeah, find find a middle ground on this five two five and four four. At the end of the day, I mean, just find a middle find somewhere where you can where you can be. Uh, you don't have to go to a hearing, and you can you can come to an agreement. Like to me, this is an absolute clear. Let's come to an agreement and and make sure that both sides are happy.
1: But each uh, side is 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 standing on the principle of the matter.
2: I guess so, and and honestly, if this is if I'm the Yankees on here, like I'm coming closer to Severino, because he is a very large part of the future. That's what they believe. They believe that they should believe it. That this guy is a huge part of, of what the Yankees are going to be doing in the future, and they should uh, they shouldn't dick around. This is to me. This is just so, being this is just being too cute.
1: Yeah. So, um, Jeff Passan wrote an interesting article on ESPN. I'm going to go over some of the highlights from it, but he said the three biggest stats that players. Uh, used to win arbitration hearings are home runs saves and war and if you look at severino's war like i said he is he ranks top seven in major league baseball for the past two seasons combined i don't see how he's not going to win that hearing you're top seven major league baseball pitcher you're gonna you're gonna get your money
2: yeah exactly so why go through the why go through the whole lengthy process of doing this arbitration hearing and having and having all of the comments leak out and, 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 you know, hit Twitter and, and just, Just build more of this negative infestation of, uh, (laughs) of, of, you know, fan commentary, because that's what it's become. It's become, it's become a a freaking hornet's nest of just negativity because, you know, of perception and people's expectations and, and, you know, dumb comments. And then, and then the Yankees not hitting expectations, uh, you know, wherever they were built. It's, it's a, it's literally a hornet's nest at this point. So, um, uh it just to me it's not worth it.
1: Let me let me run through this. So this is taken directly from the passing article. Arbitration hearings start at nine AM or one PM. About thirty people are in the room, ten on the player's side, twenty on the team side. Each side gets a brief of the other team's argument And then they each decamp to suites to begin constructing rebuttal. To begin, the player's side gets an hour to make its argument. After a 15-minute break, the team gets an hour. Following a 30-minute break, during which both sides finalize their closing arguments, the player's side gets a 30-minute rebuttal, and the team gets the same. Players often sit through a savaging of their accomplishments. (laughs) Arbitration hearings are not for the weak of heart. That sounds awful. (laughs) It's like you know what it is. It's um, it's we're gonna air our
2: grievances. You know, it's <laughs> festivus. It's festivus. They might as well put I got a lot pole. of problems with you, people. Yeah, I got a lot of problems with you. I didn't like the way that you fell off the planet in the middle of August. <laughs> you were when tipping we needed your pitches. You the most. Yeah, I mean, like this is this is this is the festivus of baseball. And and why why are we doing this? Like getting your getting your grievances off your chest in this instance is not a good thing. I don't. Over, over, you know, in large respects and, and comparison to all the other money, peanuts. We're talking about peanuts here. And it's uh, and not peanuts to Severino, but peanuts to the team. For one of your main players, one of your, one of your, your pitchers that you think is going to be uh, a Yankee for a very long time and has been a Yankee for a very long time.
1: Why? Wow. Right. but see, but we look at it from that standpoint and say, "What the hell is the difference between five? And they're 2. finding million a and four point four. But it's the precedent, and it's also they're projecting then, okay, if he wins in year one, then he's going to get even more in year two and even more in year three. and then that that sets us behind the eight ball. That's how each side is looking mm. at it. Right. so on a, on a, in a vacuum, I can understand it. But is this really what it, like what I just read to you, it sounds like the frickin' Hunger Games. Like, is that really <laughs> what what this system is supposed to be?
2: No, it shouldn't be. It really does. It, it sets people up for uh, just vindiction, like coming at you, just just, just horrible. Uh, it puts people in bad positions. Yeah, and like and
1: the, the Batanza stuff we were talking about, how do we know that the uh, evisceration and the savaging, as Passin, uh writes didn't somehow perfect well, great, great,
2: great words to describe this cuz that's yeah. exactly what it sounds like.
1: Like Potensius looked like a shell of himself for uh, a portion of last season. And how do we know that isn't because he had what he went through in the off season? Like I, I understand it shouldn't affect him on the field, but on a human nature, I understand how it could.
2: Yeah, well, it just turns out it was his mechanics were off. <laughs> and then, okay. when he fixed his mechanics, he was lights out again. So Right. Um, but you know what I mean. Yeah, I do. I know. The though I I just I think it's in certain instances I think it's an unnecessary process, and and in this particular instance with a guy like Luis Severino when we're talking about uh, five two five and four four, you know find find a find a happy place and sign right. a guy find a happy and, place and if I have and to and
1: I have to read guy. Punchable Randy Levine's face in his comments about how if he's bad mouthing Severino and I'm looking at the numbers four four five point two five I'm going to say screw you. I'm siding with Severino on this.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's just too close when you're looking at a guy like Severino. And, you know, look, Batantis, I think one of the bigger things too with Batantis was um, he was in a weird place with with the fact that he was not a closer, but he was also, he had filled in for a closer. and, And like, where are you? And I think that was one of the, one of the big, you know, deciding factors of, of, you know, what player are you? I don't really know. And the, the numbers don't really tell the full story of, of what you did and, and, you know, the position that you're in. And, and you know, that's why we have guys. You look, at, you look at guys all over the league that want to close. There's a reason for that because they can get a key stat like saves. And, and, and it's especially kind of if you're early in your career, it makes a lot of sense for that. But yes, the way that baseball has moved on, to, you know, past the um, the standards, the, the standard metrics, the standard saves and just strikeouts and, and all of these uh, ERA and and the baseball has moved past this. Like the the stat cast numbers. So it's yes. actually
1: interesting. Passon said that they don't use stat cast metrics for a couple of reasons. One is because uh, the teams end up usually looking better in those instances because you can always find a stat cast metric that says a player is not good. And also, you can always find a stat cast metric that says a player is good. Right. So it's way too across the board. Like, oh, his spin rate on his fastball is this. Well, what does that mean? Does, right. does that mean he, need, he deserves more money because his, his uh, spin rate is, is X? No. So they kind of throw those out the window, and you end up back at the more quantifiable stats, home runs, saves, war, and, and other, other uh, more, I don't know what the word is, archaic <laughs> metrics.
2: Uh, they're not archaic. They still tell a story. I mean, I still believe in some of those numbers and that they can, you can look at those numbers and, and, and still get a, a general idea of who that player is. I, I, I still believe that. Do I think that when you go through these metrics and you start narrowing it down, you could find out more specifically who he is and what he does within those numbers? Absolutely. Um, but for a guy like Batantis, going back to him, it's it was uh, the the true the standard numbers that baseball history projects and that you see in the Hall of Fame and and you know on the back of baseball cards if they still exist. Those numbers didn't tell the, the full story of who Dylan Batansis was that year.
1: Right, I just keep look, laughing at the line. Players often sit through a savaging of their accomplishments. It's just so ridiculous. And uh, another interesting part of that article was. Uh, that it's expensive. It's an expensive process. And when you're only talking about a gap of less than a million dollars, well, if you're going to spend a couple hundred grand to win an argument, what really is the point? And teams yeah. know Precedent. that. Precedent. They, no, but but see, teams know that. And then the players don't want to go sit there for five hours and get trashed. They don't want to have to spend $100,000 on lawyer fees. They just say, fine, I'll take the deal.
2: Yeah, it, it needs – Peston's absolutely right. It's an archaic process that needs to be changed. The problem with baseball is it takes forever for anything to change and and uh, move in a way that makes sense, especially on the back end business side of it. Front end, sure, you know we'll add a pitch clock, we'll we'll, we'll do stupid shit to try to appease the other one. But when it talks when they're talking about dollars and cents and and how those dollars uh, come to play and, and how we figure out how how each player gets paid and how much the owners are giving up, then that that process, if you're going to change that process. It's going to take some serious negotiation and and probably time and people giving up things on on both sides of camp.
1: And that's why there's some talks about a potential strike coming up because baseball is setting records for revenue year over year. They set another record for their revenue last year, and players are sitting there saying, "Well, where's the where's the money coming back in free agency? It's not coming back." Yeah. So they're pissed off.
2: They're pissed off. And and again, I think some of that is. I mean, I get the players coming out there and saying that the fans. I I I don't really. Uh, so when the fans are, when we're all bitching about the fact that the Yankees are making more money and they're they're adding more money and, and lining their pockets and such, I got two ways of thinking about this. Like, I I understand it on a on a on a surface level thinking, and you're saying, well, they're they're pocketing this much money, so they should be putting more of it into into um, the, the roster because they have that money. Well, I don't necessarily agree with that. I think that money should be used if appropriated correctly and, and they make the team better and, and it doesn't have to be unnecessary and you fill the needs and, if, and, and you're doing all these things that make sense for winning. I get that. I know a lot of people think that you have to have Machado to win anything. I don't believe that. I think this team right now as it stands is, is you know, look up and down the roster rosters, one of the more talented uh, one of the most talented in baseball still, when you look at Boston, I was having this talk last night with a buddy of mine who's a big Red Sox fan. When you look at the talent level, like the, the two teams are very, very close in talent level. The Red Sox were shitting rainbows last year. Everything went well for them. And when you see the way that the Yankees and how things went for them and the injuries and all the the things that didn't go well, like it, it it was the Red Sox year. It was very apparent. Things went well for them. You look at the, what happens next year, it could be a different story. It could be it could be a different story. But when you're looking at talent level, I think they're very, very close in, in talent level. And in fact, I would almost sway that the Yankees have more talent. Um, but you have to make sure that the team works well together. And guys like LeMahieu, guys like that who are complementary to what you already have, to me, make your team better.
1: Yeah, I kind of get pissed off at the, uh, the Yankees Twitter argument. And it's actually uh, something that... Um, it's become a a beast in of itself, don't you agree? Yankees Twitter, yes. it's just it's it it's like cannibalizing itself, and it and it, and it snowballs, and you get these ridiculous takes. Um, but but what but I hate the argument that oh the Yankees should just go out and buy all of the best players because they're the Yankees and they can right ignoring the fact that they've added uh, they resigned J hap and they paid him a uh, decent uh, contract and he will be there for a full season. That adds value to the team. They brought in Zach Britton again, that at ad- for a full season, that adds value to the team. They traded for James Paxton. That adds value. It's not like they've done nothing. They're acting like the Yankees have just done nothing. And it's annoying. You know, when you look down, look at
2: last year, everybody's talking about how the Red Sox were so much better because they won the world series. And that's the reason they won the world series. Who was the? Who, answer these two questions for me. Who was the most valuable player of the ALCS? Do you remember? Uh, I know we all tuned out, but do you remember? I don't remember who
1: won it. It was, it was Jackie
2: Bradley Jr. Uh, Jackie gonna, Bradley okay. Jr. I was going to say David
1: it? Price because didn't he pitch in
2: three games? He pitched ridiculous. Jackie Bradley Jr. won the award. Did anybody say that Jackie Bradley Jr. makes the Red Sox so much better and and is is a guy that that puts them over the top to win the ALCS you know what? or to Shit. get to the World Series? Okay, hold on. Well, I got one more. Who's the freaking MVP of the World Series?
1: The uh Pierce. Steve
2: freaking Pierce. Okay? <laughs> yeah. Steve Pierce. It wasn't it wasn't JD Martinez, it wasn't Mookie Betts, it wasn't uh Chris Sale.
1: It or... should have been David Price though.
2: Fine, but it wasn't it, it wasn't. wasn't the guys where they spent a ton of money on to bring in. It was a freaking role player, Steve Pierce, who's played on every single goddamn team in the American League East. It was a guy that got hot at the right time, who who gamed up at the right time, and and played well in the World Series and in the playoffs. Like that's but, who it was. So I, I just and who did they beat? By the way, who did they beat? They beat the Dodgers. And who the frig did the Dodgers get at the trade deadline? <laughs> Does anybody remember that? Because yeah. they got Manny they went, Machado. Did oh, they put?
1: That's right. Did he put him
2: right. over the top? No, well, they didn't okay, win the World on. Series. They didn't win the World Series. And that's all that we matter. That's all that matters, right? That's all we all care about is the who Red wins the Sox, World Series.
1: Okay, but here's a counter-argument. The Red Sox ranked near the bottom in home runs in 2017. That was weird, right? Then they brought in J.D. Martinez, and that lineup totally flipped. He changed that lineup. He was one of the best offensive players in baseball last year. Yes, I so even that. though even though he didn't win an ALCS MVP or a World Series MVP – he still carried that team offensively for 162 games to win them 108 games to get them home field advantage to get them in a place to get to to get them to the World Series.
2: I understand that, but when you're looking at the difference between the two teams as far as the regular season, it could have gone either way. If the Yankees had stayed healthy, if there were a couple, key yeah. And Gar- injuries
1: if Gary, if Gary Sanchez didn't show up it all, and didn't miss two yeah. months of the season, if if Greg Bird actually could play baseball, if Aaron Judge doesn't bang up his wrist, like yes, who knows? If Sonny Gray wasn't scared That's to death of pitching Yankee of baseball, Stadium, though.
2: That's part of this. I get it, but there were a lot of. There's a lot. There's look. You could put as much talent as you want on that field, but there is an element of of luck that goes into baseball. I'm sorry, but there is and timing. And when you have everything that goes well, the Red Sox had a lot of things that went well for them, and they played really good team baseball. And, yeah, and, and, and they I got credit hot them in the for the playoffs. That. And Nathan and they got hot pitched, in the playoffs. Exactly. Nathan
1: Evaldi pitched like a, a Cy Young candidate for for the month of October. And who the hell saw that coming?
2: His bionic arm turned on. They switched it on. They like they like put the little um, they, they put, put the little it. magnets. It yeah, like they activated the fibers in yeah. his arm, and he was good. So yeah. yes, there is a lot of things that went right. But when you are looking at the the construction of these lineups and the construction of the teams, look, th- I just don't think a guy like Machado makes makes. In the grand scheme of things, makes this—he's a better player at third base than than Andrew Hart. Yes, I, I get that. Offensively, I think the—we will see this year if if Machado gets a full season, we'll see where I'm sorry. If Anduhar gets a full season, we'll see where they are offensively. Uh, well, he as he did season. get a full like, season. It's not what are you that talking much about? I know, and year two. I want to see sorry, year two.
1: I want to see year two. We him. had this conversation. Uh, it, it was you, me, and Frank in in, in Facebook. You said, oh, they're both offensively, they're both by war, almost the same. And, and that's not true. Uh, Offensive
2: wasn't... war. Offensive war.
1: That's not true. And you are at a 4.5. Let me hold on. I'm going to actually look it up.
2: So I, this my, when we were talking about the conversation in the back end, I was honestly just trying to figure out like where the money uh how they attach money and and fan graphs because they make the projections how they attach the money to the to the war percentage like and where the baseline is where that money comes from that's what we were trying to get to and and the arguments were uh or there wasn't even an argument it was just like identifying where anduhar was as an offensive war player and where machado was of as an offensive war player comparing the two and seeing how they actually line up and stack up next to each other like directly next to each other um, not looking at the defense because we know what the defense was, and we don't know where Machado is going to play if it's going to be third base. But when you're looking at the two players, <coughs> I want to see what year two b- brings for for offensively and how these guys are. My point is is that when Machado was was brought over to the Dodgers and he made that team that much better for the second half of the year, they still c- couldn't get to the promised land. Yes, they he made them a better team. I think when you're talking about the the overall look and feel and numbers. But when you're talking about the playoffs and what you're doing, a lot of that is a crapshoot. You got to get to that point and you got to have your players play. And if you have guys who are doing the same thing up and down the lineup then and striking out or hitting home runs, you're going to have dry spells. You're going to see the team disappear at times. And that's what happened with the Yankees. A guy like LeMay who could come in, put bat to ball, I think makes this team better. It changes the dynamic of the lineup. And, and changes the dynamic of what they're going to do defensively and how they can, how they can put a team out there um, as a run prevention team as well. There's just a lot of elements that LeMahieu now adds. And, and I think they've seen where their problem was and how they're trying to change it. Like you said, you identified the Red Sox. They said, We didn't hit home runs. We're going to bring in JD Martinez, who hits home runs and does that. Well, the Yankees weren't hitting in sco- with runners in scoring position, they were striking out a lot. They were hitting a lot of home runs. Don't but where were the guys that were DJ going back to ball?
1: To- JD Martinez. I didn't. Please. I'm talking about the fit. Just I'm because JD team... and DJ are, are inverse of each other doesn't mean that they're gonna You're have
2: crazy for thinking I just said that. I said that the teams identify <laughs> a, a fit and a need and what they look I know. what they're looking for. The Yankees <clears throat> need guys who can make contact. They yep. need that.
1: Yep. Uh, and Duhar's offensive war last year was four point six. Tremendous. Manny Machado's was six point six.
2: Okay. So now we're we're quantifying that as two games, yeah?
1: Two wins, yeah. Two wins, two wins. Did that make a difference? <laughs> I'm just saying that. I'm the just players, asking a question. The play, it's a the, question. the players are not the same? Manny Machado is a much better player at this point. What we know,
2: I know that. That's what I said. I, I did not. I do not disagree with you. I would. I, I would be a, in a moron to make that argument. I said I want to see where Andujar is in year two. I want to okay, see what the yeah, difference is. I'm year excited
1: two. to see where Andujar in year two. Is as well, but we, you also I have to. I think people to,
2: forget that, but that freaking Andujar was a goddamn rookie last year. A yes, rookie you to, also to put up have those to. Offensive
1: numbers. Isn't it also fair to uh, to say that possibly that is his peak offensively, which is great. It's still great, but for him to get even better, I think is uh, is not fair to, to assume. You can't assume he's going to get better. No, but I want to see how
2: he develops as a player. It's it's also unfair to say that at year one a guy has peaked. That's unfair. To me, that is unfair. Saying a guy can't get better by being a professional and, he and can. working out he his can be more He can and, be more patient maturing, at the And maturing. His body yep. will be maturing more. And, and he's he's not even, you know, he's not in his prime physically yet. So who knows what he's going to be when he can get to that point. The guy makes a ton of... The guy can, a ridiculous level, put back to ball. He makes unbelievable contact. Like, when I see a guy that could do that with the hand-eye coordination, yeah, I believe that that guy can improve.
1: And it's kind of... It, I know we've said this a thousand times, but if he was just mediocre defensively, we wouldn't even be having this conversation. I know, and, and I, I do believe I don't, I don't that he could the get Yankees, to that point. I don't think the Yankees would be having the conversation. Everyone would be sold on Andujar if he could just play average defense.
2: You know, that's another thing that I think goes completely under the radar with this whole waiting for 2019. Before, but when when this talk was was about and and we were all looking forward to this free agent class and looking at Harper and looking at Machado, we all said, okay, Harper is a right fielder. Well, we have a right fielder and he's a stud. Uh, immediately, a lot of people said, okay, not a good fit. When you looked at Machado, we're like, oh, uh, Chase Headley's playing third base right now. This is an absolute fit. We absolutely have to get him. And at that point, boom, it's done. Manny Machado is a New York Yankee, 2019. Well, all of a sudden, Anduhar comes out of absolutely nowhere. The Yankees had traded for a third baseman and, and made the opening day roster as a third baseman. He had 8,000 injuries that came about him. Anduhar comes up and hits the lights out and completely takes everybody by storm. That changed things, I think. I think that changed the dynamic of what the team looked like. And you say, okay, now we have a guy who can actually hit. He exceeded our expectations offensively, but he's abysmal defensively. So where are we? Is he going to get better? Is he going to improve defensively? Or are now we are in a position where we have a guy who we like offensively, uh, who's a rookie who exceeded our expectations, but shit, 2019's here. We're supposed to sign Machado. What do we do? I think that that was a was a wrench in the whole machine.
1: Yeah, yeah. And let's also like like you just said with Jury, like he who foresaw the headaches and his vision problems, like who saw that happening. Right. So who's to say something weird doesn't happen again this year? Something weird will probably happen with somebody this year that is going to change the landscape of the roster once again.
2: Yeah, and you know what it is? Troy Tulowitzki will be healthy. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Doubtful. I quickly want to touch on Mookie Betts, and he avoided arbitration with a $20 million deal with the Red Sox, and he was in his second year of arbitration. I mean, the guy's been one of the best players in baseball for a number of years. He won MVP. He got a record amount of money for a second-year player. And I think it's interesting because this is what the Yankees are going to be dealing with with Aaron Judge in a couple years. If Aaron Judge has another good season next year, he's going to be a first-year arbitration player and he's going to go to the Yankees and say, I was second in MVP two years ago. I carried your team in my sophomore season and when I went out, you started to struggle. And I hit home runs and that's a popular metric with these arbitration guys. Like He could be looking at a serious amount of money and I really think that the Yankees need to think about that and... If you think the PR with Betances was bad, and the potential PR with uh, Severino could be bad, can you imagine hmm. the shitstorm that will happen if the Yankees try and pull this crap with Aaron Judge?
2: No, it'll be ugly. It will be absolutely ugly. And and I think that uh, they know that. They know that. I, I don't know how much the Yankees are caring about their PR at this point, honestly, with the with the way that the the fans think about things. Like, I just don't think they put that a lot of stock into that at this point because they know we'll all be there anyway. Um, but yeah, it could get ugly. Uh, the other thing that wouldn't surprise me is if they if they came out with a big contract for him and extended him. Uh, and I, that's point. what I want them to do because I, wouldn't I don't be want them to ha-
1: I don't want to have to cross that bridge when he's 31 years old.
2: Yeah, so if you're looking at a, another large contract, like maybe we see that with um, a team that's already in position, that already has a player in control and and just puts a, a larger extension on them. And, and then you go for those 10-year deals where you're... You know, where it's a little early, where you're not at free agency yet. I, that's where I see those those longer term contracts could possibly. But come into they're play.
1: not happening around baseball.
2: Not, I mean, they've they've happened in the past. They haven't happened for a while, right? They haven't but happened but for they a are while. happening in sports. That
1: was, that was also part of Passon's article is that players are not getting the long term extensions when you're young. You have to wait now till you're 30. And 10 years ago, that was fine because you were getting seven, eight year deals in your 30s. So you're not getting that anymore. Well, one of the big
2: reasons you're seeing in other sports, too, is because of salary caps and and uh, flexibility for these teams to stay under the cap and then still add to the team so that they're not just being dominated by one guy on, as far as uh, payroll. So that's – I mean, you see that a lot in – you see it a lot in hockey. Um, football is a totally other to- totally other animal as far as uh, how they're paid. It's and, apples and, how and oranges. how they can get dropped. I, I, yeah, but when you're talking about, like, hockey and basketball, like, you see longer-term contracts. Uh, but, again, a lot of that also is, is to um, – to be flexible and manipulate the contract so that you spread out the cap. salary cap.
1: Like in yeah. hockey, you see like yeah. 20 year deals to just get, get around that fudgery with, but the, because with of the,
2: the, the, the tax, the, ta- the tax threshold, you know, there's, there's an element of a cap now where we're seeing it. I mean, it, and it's, it's working it's a, to an extent now to isn't an extent. It? Yeah. I, I, Again, yeah, I think players wouldn't say that, but yeah, as yeah. far as owners, it's, it's, I guess it's working. And, and we're talking about, uh, you know, having, having good teams all over the place with, with, you know, smaller markets. Yeah, I'd say it's working for in that instance, but I don't know. It's a, I,
1: I, find it, I find it all very interesting, really. It is. It's,
2: and, it, and you could go a, di- a million different ways with the way that this is, by looking at the players, by looking at the uh, the, the different unions and how strong the players union is. And then you look at, a, a, you know, a big market team compared to a small market team. And is the small market team, you know, spending what they should from what they're getting from the revenue of the tax uh, penalties? And there's, there's a ton of things that you could talk about this.
1: Yeah, uh, you want you want some good news? Please Yankees, give me some good news. The Yankees announced the times for the schedule next. Oh, year, I love this! And there are a lot more six thirty five p.m. games during the week at home. I think it's spectacular. We talked about this last year. You want to trick people into the fact that games are being shorter? Just start them earlier.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're. I will play by that. I will. Uh, that that is a mirage. I will sign up for no doubt about it. And, and just having a, a game. What, half hour early? I love it. That, that's yeah. a big deal. You know, I, we, 11 o'clock and 10.30. Uh, 10.30 and 10 o'clock, that's a big deal to me.
1: Fine. You If games can end at like 10.20, that, that, fine. It's the 10.50, 11 o'clock games, midweek, night after night against the frickin' Tampa Bay Rays because they made <laughs> 45 pitching changes. It right. makes me want to gouge my friggin' eyes out.
2: Yeah, so I, I like this. I think this is a trend that should continue. Uh, they definitely added a lot more. I think most of them are... A lot of them are front half of the season, right?
1: Yeah, most of them are before um, Memorial Day, which I, I guess also for the fact that the, the weather is usually crappier, um, especially the fact that they start in March now. Like the first, the first game of the season is late March at home. Like it could be thirty-five, it could be sleeting, it could be way I lower think. than thirty-five. Yeah, it could yeah. be, it could be, it could be an ugly, ugly day. Um, and there's also a couple more notes. The Yankees only go to Boston twice, and they're both four game series, and that's because of the London games, which will start at one o'clock in the afternoon on Saturday and ten a.m. on Sunday. We get some breakfast baseball on the East Coast on that Sunday. Yeah, the um, fact that they only
2: go to twice is interesting. I think too. It's uh, that's four-game a four game
1: gauntlet series too, and we remember what happened last year in August. Yeah. Um, all right. So uh, a couple quick quick more notes before we we wrap up. CC, you talked about his health on his podcast uh, with Ruco and he said there it, it sounds like it was a lot more serious than we originally thought. 90% blocked artery and the doctors said if he'd gone on that trip to London there's a good chance he would have died.
2: Jesus. Yeah, no, I I don't think we we uh, we knocked down the severity of what it is. I think more of the the um The procedure that was happened is more has become more of a routine. That's uh, I think what we're referring to. But yeah, the fact that he had a ninety percent block in the artery, like that's just scary stuff right there. So, um, very thankful, obviously that that you know he was it was caught and taken care of, um, and that he's on the mend and approved for baseball activities and all that stuff. So it sounds like he's uh, you know full steam ahead, which is very very good news.
1: You know uh, Kevin Smith. Yeah, yeah. He uh, he also had something I think a lot more serious than we're talking about like.
2: Uh, the Silent, Silent, yeah, right? Silent Bob, yeah, Jane, Jane,
1: Silent Bob, yeah, mall, mall rats, whatever. He had, I don't know if you had, he had a massive heart attack last year, and he also had a, a blocked artery, like even more mm-hmm. severe than Sabathia. Doctors gave him like a two percent chance of living. He he was on a on um, Joe Rogan's podcast. He was talking about this, and he said that he went on a, the potato diet, where all he ate was potatoes, lost like twenty pounds, totally changed his health. Maybe that's what CC should do.
2: Potato diet. I had never heard of such a thing. Yeah, I didn't all realize you, that, all that was can good eat is for p- you.
1: Potatoes. You can't put any butter or oil on them or, or anything. So basically, you just eat potatoes for like a set number of weeks, and your body just like totally like does a one eighty on everything. And he, wow. he's a lot healthier now. And he's we, very we skinny. Was, I've
2: seen a picture of him. He looks yeah, he he looks, looks like weird. A totally different person.
1: Yeah, but good for him because he almost died. But not. I'm not trying to make light of this. We've always joked. Fat CC is better than skinny CC. <laughs> it's kind well, of, I think
2: CC has talked about that too. He, he says like that his playing weight is uh, he knows how to play to to where he is, where he's a little heavier. Like he's 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 familiar with the, the way his body feels and, and such at that at that at yeah. that level. So he's and, talked and about I that as well. That.
1: And I think a, f- a lot of football players, like offensive linemen and and like d- like defensive linemen, they probably shrink. go through this as well. But. I'm surprised that like Yankees doctors or nutritionists haven't said, okay, you can be a, an air quotes healthy 290 pounds. You don't have to be a Captain Crunch 290 pounds. You know what I mean? Right.
2: Well, I don't know if that's necessarily how. I don't know how that works. I'm not. I'm no dietit- dietitian, but I think naturally, if you start eating. Uh, better than than your your fat starts turning into, uh, you know, muscle and you just start burning things differently. So I, whatever, I'm not even gonna get into that. I don't know. And, and then as far as like, where does your strength go if you're losing some of the some of the weight? Like I'm sure Kevin Smith wasn't in peak like physical condition when he lost all that weight either eating just potatoes doesn't sound like the most like, <laughs> no, I mean, Kevin, and, healthy and you
1: can't even compare the two because Sabathia is an athlete and Kevin Smith. Yeah, is not.
2: exactly. That's my point. So you, you have to be aware of, you know, where your muscle is going as well and how how other things happen so whatever like i, I just want uh, CC to be healthy if if he could play at a at a weight where he's good um then he should play if if this affects if the way that he has to play at a at a level where he's not healthy and he has to eat you know in in a way that that affects the way his heart is like i I l- literally hope he just stops playing and takes care of his body for his own family like and that was gonna
1: be my next question like I, I do think this has implications for 2019 CC
2: I agree with you, and I think if he's not playing to a, if he's if he's playing at a different weight, you know, we saw when he lost a ton of weight and how he he pitched. It just didn't seem like he was comfortable at their, uh, you know, playing it that way either. So, look, I, I just hope this. I hope that CC has realized, and it seems like he really has, that first and foremost, right now, he's a he's a family man, and he's got to take care of that. You know, if he can pitch to a level where he's effective uh, with the Yankees, then 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 great. If not, then you know, hang him up, man. All right, There's we're there read, is no shame in him hanging him up to to be to be healthy and and to you know to to be with your family really.
1: And uh, we're going to read one mailbag. I just want to quickly uh, give people a reminder that the spring training event tickets are on the website. They're still for sale. Correct?
2: There's like ten tickets left. So right, yeah, they're going to be 70 gone very bucks, soon.
1: Seventy bucks for the ticket for Saturday, March sixteenth. That includes domestic. Uh, beer, wine, as well as an open uh, food buffet. It's going to be in the bullpen club above uh, the first base side. We did it last year. It was a ton of fun. Um, it, and it's kind of nice because if it's a really hot day, you get some shade up there. Yeah. So it's definitely definitely a good spot in the stadium. Uh, go check it out on the fan shop. Like Scott said, 10 tickets left. Um, all right, let's read this mailbag from Michael F. We know the Yanks are going to likely sign another infielder. So this was obviously before uh, LeMahieu. Um but do you see them signing another outfielder, especially if one drops to a bargain price? I know Cashman rolled off the six outfielders as a justification for not signing Harper, but they had essentially the exact same depth chart last year plus McKinney, and it seemed like it took a week for them to already feel thin. Frazier and Ellsbury hurt in spring training. Hicks and McKinney in Toronto. Doesn't this seem like a mistake? Health aside, I'll always love Guardy, but he shouldn't be starting. And who knows what to expect from Red Thunder or Ellsbury? Ha. I know Stanton will likely see time in left field, but it seems to me that they need one more. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's an interesting uh, it's an
2: interesting dilemma because you're right. When we talk about the the, the surface level guys, the the six outfielders that he's referring to, um, it can get thin, and it did get thin. Like it, there were a lot of injuries that happened fast last year. And when you have that, and then all of a sudden you are thin, because Mike's Michael's right. Like it, it was very fast that all of a sudden we were thin in the outfield. It was when one we, series. We, when we it saw was that as a series. Deep, yeah. As a, as a strength. And, and that's why, you know, I see a guy like Tyler Wade could, will be playing as a, uh, could play an important role in the fact that he's a good defender all over the field. Like, I think that, that, that is a, um, a, um, a guy that, that we will see like, you know, another switchblade that could go in there and defend. And, you know, who knows what we get from offensively. Um, you know they may take a shot at a guy that, that they're, they're adding depth into the uh, the Triple A, and we've seen that. They've been some small moves, a minor league contract signed of guys that are going into the into the minor leagues uh, that that will add to the depth. And so we have seen that. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw more of that.
1: Yeah, and I don't. I, Mike Michael's obviously maybe even alluding to something like a Marwin Gonzalez signing, and I just I, I don't see it happening at this point.
2: No, I think they chose Lemayhu over Gonzalez because he plays. Uh, because of the the flexibility in roster. like I know LeMahieu doesn't yeah, play the outfield. But right,
1: yeah. M- Gonzalez is a more fl- – I guess he can play more positions but doesn't play the positions as well.
2: Right. So they, they already have that guy.
1: Yeah. Um, all right, guys. Uh, if you want to submit mailbag questions, uh, just keep an eye out for the Facebook posts and the tweets. We put them out a couple times a week, usually towards the end of the week. And also you can submit them anytime at bronxpinstripes.com slash podcast. Scott, uh, I wanted to update people. So you remember uh, I was doing dry January? Yes. No longer? I made it 11 days and 8 hours.
2: <laughs> you weak bastard.
1: <laughs> it was a valiant effort. I almost made it 15 days, which is almost half the month, which is you can round up to the full month. So I did it. I did dry January.
2: You did absolutely nothing close to a dry January. And the last time I spoke with you on the show, you sounded miserable. And uh, I could tell that you wanted to drink very badly. Was I more and chipper today? I'm, yeah, I'm glad you. I'm glad you. <laughs> I'm glad you fed the beast. You needed it.
1: Oh boy, maybe I'll try it again next year, but most likely not. <laughs> Any last words, Scott?
2: No, let's just uh, a good. Let's let's have a, a, a nice uh, social media week, huh? Let's all let's all get along and, and everyone move, be nice move, to one another and move, man, and move forward likely. and move forward into uh, you know this positivity around this team. Because It's a good team, still a good <laughs> team by the way. Can we
1: all just get along? Still a good team.